Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare works of art. They had everything in their collection from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire the paintings. Then a war broke out and the son went away to fight. He was very courageous and died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his son. A few months later, there was a knock at the door and a young man stood there with a large package in his hands. Sir, you don't know me, he said, but I am the soldier your son died to save. He saved many lives that day and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart and he died instantly. The young man held out his package. I know this isn't much, he said, but your son often talked about you and your love for art. I'm not a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted you to have this. The father opened the package to find a portrait of his son painted by the young man. He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting, especially his eyes, until his own eyes welled up with tears. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for for the picture. Oh no, I could never repay your son for what he did for me. It's a gift, said the young man. The father hung the portrait over his fireplace and every time visitors came to his home, he took them to see the portrait of his son before he showed them any of the other great works he had collected. Not too long afterwards, the man died and a great auction of his paintings was organised. Many influential people gathered, excited over seeing the great paintings and having an opportunity to obtain one for their own collection. On the platform sat the painting of the son. And the auctioneer pounded his gavel. We will start the bidding with this picture of the sun. What am I bid for this picture? There was a long silence. Finally, a voice came from the back of the room. We want to see the famous paintings. Skip this one. But the auctioneer persisted. Who will bid me for this painting? Who will start the bidding? 100 pounds. 50 pounds. Another voice shouted angrily, We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts. Get on with the real paintings. But still, the auctioneer continued, Who'll take the sun? Finally, a voice came from the very back of the room. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. I'll give you £10 for the painting. Being a poor man, it was all he could afford. We have £10. Who will bid 20 Give it to him for £10. Let's move on to the masters. The crowd was becoming angry. They didn't want the picture of the sun. They wanted the more worthy investments for their collections. The auctioneer pounded the gavel, going once, twice, sold for £10. The man sitting on the second row shouted, now let's get on with the collection. The auctioneer laid down his gavel and said, I'm sorry, the auction's over. But what about the famous paintings, demanded the crowd. I'm sorry, the auctioneer explained. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. I was not allowed to reveal this stipulation until this moment. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. 
Whoever bought that painting would inherit the entire estate, including the other paintings. The man who took the son gets everything. And the gospel message is the same. Okay, so I'm going to go on from there and we're going to read, might as well hang on to this. We're going to read Matthew 6, if you want to put that one up. Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. And it says these words. This then is how you should pray. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. His disciples have asked him, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. And this is Jesus' response, as we all well know. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I've just told you that long story. And I remember listening to that about 25 years ago when I'd just become a Christian. I thought, that's incredible. But as we look at those people in that auction, what they wanted was the spectacular. What they wanted was the value, the valuable. They didn't see any beauty in that picture of the sun. They had no relationship with the sun, and so they didn't feel it was worthy of, of any sort of care. They had come to bid on the famous and the stunning. So we're going to look at three things today. We're going to look at what the kingdom isn't. We're going to look at what the kingdom is. And we're going to see how that leads us in and to see how his will is done. So first of all, let's have a look at what the kingdom isn't. Okay. Now, sometimes it's very easy to take the mickey out of the disciples. But uh, I wonder about ourselves in the same situation of what we do. So here are the disciples. They'd spent three and a half years with Jesus Jesus had taught them incredibly well, obviously. He'd, the disciples had seen Jesus show incredible forgiveness for some of the worst people. Uh, he'd seen them do, or the disciples had seen Jesus do miracles, uh, repeatedly talk about his coming death, which they never understood. And then they saw Jesus crucified. Then they saw Jesus rise from the dead. They saw an empty tomb. Then which is, imagine, even more incredible, they actually spoke to the risen Lord in his glorified body. Now, what do you think the disciples' first words to Jesus would be after all of that? Three and a half years of, years of ministry, seeing Jesus do these great things, and then seeing him rise from the dead in his glorified body, seeing him walk through a wall. What do you think is the disciples' response? So, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says this word it says then they gathered round him and asked him lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of israel in other words okay lord you've you've done what you said you're going to do we don't quite understand that but when are you going to restore israel into its glory like the days of david when is the glory coming back it's incredible they had no real idea of what Jesus had accomplished. And they still didn't understand. They were fixated on the idea of freedom from Rome, uh, prosperity, going back to the glory days of David, national pride. And we too can be just like this, can't we? I remember a friend of mine who responded to the gospel and uh, was, was really excited. This was a long time ago. And his first words was, the problem is I can't go to church because I love golf and I play golf on a Sunday. I was thinking, my friend, you have no idea 
about the kingdom. It isn't about going to church. Church is secondary, but you need to know the king because once you know the king, you will do anything. And his, his goal was still golf. But we have, Jesus mentions it in one of his parables. He says, Lord, I'll follow you if, and we can be like that, can't we? I'll follow you if you get my finances right. I'll go to church uh, if you bless me. Or maybe I go to church so you should bless me. So many times I find myself, I have to analyse my own motives. Because what goes on inside of us can be very hard to recognise, can't it? Do we love God and serve him for what he can do for us? Lord, if you take me to heaven, I'll do such and such. Or Lord, you should take me to heaven because I'm a very good person. Do we love him for himself alone? I have a, a, a friend, a business friend in India who I've been doing business with for a few years now. And over the years, it's been, um, it's been how's your family? Uh, you know, uh, how's, how's things? How's business and all this? It's been really friendly and everything. And then my business took a dive about a year ago. And suddenly the relationship's really different. Suddenly he doesn't really want to contact me, or if he does, it's very rare. And it's like, well, wow. And it was, it was quite an eye-opener, really, because sometimes our treatment with God, our relationship with God can be like that. Oh, Lord, I don't need you at the moment. So, you know, you go quiet, but then suddenly stress and disaster comes into your life and you're on your knees praying. And, you know, our relationship can be more of a business relationship with God sometimes. And this is not what the Lord wants. He wants a personal relationship with us. So our journey can be true joy, peace, happiness. And if only we love for him, for who he is. And then we'll see what the kingdom truly is. So let's look on, on this now. What, what is the kingdom truly like? So we've looked at what the kingdom isn't. Well, let's have a look at what the kingdom is. So in Luke chapter 17 verses 20 and 21, the Pharisees gather around Jesus and say this. Once on being, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will, it, will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Isn't that interesting? Another version would say, the kingdom of God is within you. But I think it's more accurate to say it's in your midst. So Jesus was there standing with the Pharisees and he says to them, your, your eyesight is wrong. You're looking for the kingdom in the wrong places. You're thinking in a worldly sense. You're thinking of the Roman Empire. You're thinking of Assyrian Empire. My, my kingdom is not like that. The kingdom right now is in your midst. Jesus was standing with those religious leaders. He is the kingdom of God and what he was bringing. The religious were, uh, leaders were expecting power, outward beauty. Again, like the disciples, power to defeat Rome, power to bring back the glory days. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God is among you. And the kingdom of God today is among us. See, the kingdom is Jesus. They desired an outward kingdom first, yet the kingdom of God begins on the inside and it works slowly out. Jesus gave many parables about this. So number one would be the parable of the dough and the yeast. 
So yeast being such a small thing, yet when it goes into that bread, when it goes into that dough, it causes incredible change. It works slowly out. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the hidden treasure, the fact that this man finds treasure in this field and he's so excited about the treasure, he buys the entire field. It's always something quite small that someone then goes to extreme lengths to get. Jesus talks about sowing a seed. And yet all these things are so small and kind of insignificant. Yet to Jesus, they are infinitely valuable to the one who truly sees and hears. So I gave some of you some seeds. Put your hand up if you've got a seed. Yeah, so... As you hold those seeds, I mean, incredible design. If you, if you just, just hold, I mean, sometimes, you know, we, we walk around maybe in a park or something. We don't even look down at the, at the things we see. But this time of year, all the seed is starting to drop from the trees, all the different trees like sycamore and oak. And you've got some of those seeds in your hand right now. Just pass them on to the next person to have a look at. They're incredible design. You know, you've got the sycamore tree there, which sycamore seed, which can actually fly from, from one tree. Once the wind catches it, it'll fly like a, like a helicopter and, and make new ground. Absolutely incredible design. And yet they're seen as so insignificant. And yet Jesus likens his kingdom to a seed. Insignificant to the eye, yet with massive potential to grow an entire forest. Have you ever considered that? Over hundreds and hundreds of years, if humans didn't clear forests, this whole country would be a forest. All because of the power of a small seed. See, we live in a, a culture of super fast, don't we? And my uh, son-in-law has been trying to get his super fast broadband sorted out in his house. Uh, and this is what we do, isn't it? We want fast speed. We want, we want, we want fast downloads, uploads. Uh, and he's been sorting that out. And this is and this helped. Well, this is what we we do, isn't it? Then we want everything fast, don't we? We want a fast microwave. We want um, freezers that will freeze quickly, dryers that will dry quickly. Um, and what if our, uh, you know, maybe on your phone or on your laptop? What if your if your page doesn't load up immediately? You know, you've got the wheel going around. You're like, oh no! You know, I'm not used to this. Three seconds. I pay for one second, if that. You know. And you ring up Sky or somebody complaining. But this is what we, we start to become like. We take this sometimes into our relationship with God. And we expect God to be like super fast broadband. That he will answer our prayers. That he will do what we want to be done quickly. And yet this is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a seed that it goes into the ground. It's, it's as if it dies. And then it changes and slowly but surely it grows. And we were in Chatsworth Estate last weekend for a lovely weekend. And that estate is enormous. And some of the trees have been left there and not messed around with or, or, or chopped or anything. And they, the trunks on them were huge. I was thinking, how old is that tree? It's been left of its own devices. How stunning that is. See, this is the kingdom. It's a long time of perfect growing, and it's left to him. James 1 verse 21 says, it's not, on the, uh, it's not on the screen, but it says these words, that the word is planted in us 
and we need to accept it humbly. Isn't that good? When we come to know Christ, the word of God, by his Holy Spirit, is placed within us and we need to accept it in all humility. We need to soak it in. We need to breathe it in. And we need to let him transform us over a lifetime. Isn't that good? Over a lifetime. So many of us think of five years or a five-year plan. With the kingdom of God, it's a lifetime of change. What God can do over a lifetime. See, the seed is the Holy Spirit in us. And the seed or the Holy Spirit brings fruit. He doesn't bring fruits. He brings fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and all of the fruit that he brings if he's given room in our hearts. Incredibly, the kingdom of God then is weak human beings like us. Receiving Christ as Lord and allowing his seed to transform us from the inside out. See, so often we're people who want the outside first, aren't we? We want the, the good job and the, the fine clothes maybe and the nice house. Yet the kingdom is within us but transforms us slowly from the inside out. I wonder if you can recognise the change. Sometimes you can't see it yourself. Sometimes it takes someone who you haven't seen for a long time who's also a believer and they can come, they sometimes come to you and say, wow, you've changed. I've not seen you for a few years. Gosh, I can see what God's doing in you and yet you can't see it in yourself because it's an inner work. His seed transforms us from the inside. And as this seed transforms forms us, as without doubt, we will sail, sail into stormy waters, won't we? Have you been sailing into stormy waters? We all will at some point. I, you know, when I was a young Christian, I didn't think I would ever hit any stormy waters. I think life was good. Freshly, you know, newly married. Uh, my business is flying. I was, everything was great. I was high kicking. Uh, things were going well at church. And then suddenly some, something happened. And I thought God had left me. I actually thought God had disappeared. I thought, well, I, I shouldn't be going through this if I belong to God. I thought everything was going to be good. I didn't know my Bible that well. But sure enough, I came to learn quite quickly that actually he takes us through stormy waters to make us stronger. Just like, as you see, eventually as we go deeper into winter, wind will batter the trees and branches will fall off. But this will be beneficial to the tree because when it comes to spring again, new growth will come and the tree will be all the stronger for the troubles. Isn't that great? This is the kingdom of God portrayed in his creation. So we can't, sometimes can't understand why our life is going in a certain direction, especially since we're walking close to him. We're like, Lord, I didn't, I didn't order this. <laughs> What's going on? What's, why is this change happening? Lord, I'm not sure I like this. And yet, that's when we have to understand about, is he the Lord of our lives? Or are we the Lord of our lives? And that's where the lordship of our lives will be contested. Will we follow him when our lives are seemingly in disintegration? Will we follow the Lord when the darkness continues? What will we do? And this is where we learn to go from what the kingdom is into how his will is done. Okay. 
See, it's a very easy thing to pray, isn't it? The Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. How about that? Your will be done. God's will be done truly in your life. What does that look like? So in Matthew 26, we have the perfect example of someone, with a capital S, who allowed God's will to be done in a terrible situation. And you all know this. Matthew 26. Let's take these words slowly because they are incredibly important. Matthew 26, 36 to 44. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Isn't that incredible? Here is a sinless son of God laying down his life before he was crucified. Laying his life down, not for himself, but for the sin of the whole world. We, I find it very difficult to understand and to, 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 to read these, this, this incredible story because it's too great, isn't it? It's too high. It's, it, you know, you need the Holy Spirit's help. As the Father's wrath and the weight and the gravity of that sin falls upon the Son of God, Luke, in his Gospel, describes Jesus as sweating drops of blood. It's only recently that we've understood that that is actually a condition which some of you, being nurses and doctors, would know about, I'm sure. I'll try to pronounce it for you. It's called hemahydrosis. It's where, when a person is under extreme stress, Actually, blood comes from the pores. And this is Jesus, this is our Lord, was under extreme stress. The sin of the world was upon him, and he sweat drops of blood. We will never truly understand what Jesus had to go through, but here was the most significant moment in history. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was becoming sin. It says in the word, he became sin for us. Taking on man's rebellion and judgment, taking on that full force. He was going into that storm. It was not his sin, it was ours. So what was his response? We've just read it. What was his response to going through this shocking storm? This gives us help, doesn't it? 
when we face our stormy waters, when we face when life doesn't go what we believe is right, what will we do? Will we walk away? Will we say, well, I didn't sign up for this? Or will we be like our saviour, the son of God? Verse 49, sorry, verse 39 and 42. Again, I'll read it to you. 39 says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, just imagine this situation, it's hard to, but try. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If you just put the next one, thanks. So again, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Wow, absolutely incredible. He bowed his head in trust and surrender to the Father. He entrusted himself to the Father. So as crisis comes into our lives, what will we do? How will we cope? We need a relationship with the Father, don't we? We need to know him and how good he is. Or we will walk away. Or we will back off. I've done that before. We back off from God. We don't need to do that because he is so good and trustworthy. We can do what Jesus did and bow our heads to him and say, your will be done. I know you to be good. I know you are good. What is our... What are you going through today? Is it a health situation? Is it loneliness? Is it a family issue? What is it? Can we pray your will be done? Instead of struggling, sometimes we struggle to fight against situations. Now, obviously, there are some situations sent from the enemy himself, which we're called to stand against. And you know when that time is right. But there are other situations which, which we as a family have been sailing through for a few years now. And yet it's not necessarily from the enemy. It can be just everyday situations. And the Lord takes you through them. And what will we do? Will we come out the other end weaker or stronger? We can come out stronger from devastating situations. Because the Lord knows best. What did he say? His words were, take heart because he's overcome the world. Isn't that good? Take heart. I've overcome the world. Isn't that good? He's done. He's done everything necessary. He's overcome all difficulties. He's opened up the kingdom of God for us if you believe in him. Isn't that great? So we can bear anything for him. And those things can actually be used for his glory and our good.